I was uh, reading a story about this elderly man and a, an attorney that was at the airport, and they were, the, the older man was asleep. They were waiting on a plane, and the attorney was there, and he kind of thought, you know, I'd get a little bored. So he woke the older guy up, and he said, hey, you want to play a game? And the old guy said, ah, I'm not really much of a game player. He said, oh, come on, come on. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, you ask me a question, he said, and if I don't know the answer to it, I'll give you $500. He said, I ask you a question, and if you don't know the answer, all you have to do is give me $5. And so the old fellow said, okay. And the attorney said, how many miles is it from the earth to the moon? The old man didn't say a word. He just reached in his wallet and pulled out a $5 bill and handed it to him. Then he looked at, then the attorney said, okay, give me your question. The old man said, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four legs? And the attorney looked at him and he repeated the question to himself and he starts thinking. The old man goes back to sleep. The attorney starts calling friends and nobody's got an idea. He's, he's on the internet Googling and, you know, searching it out. And finally, after an hour, he wakes the old fella up and hands him $500. Here you go. The old man goes back to sleep. The attorney said, wait, wait, wait a minute. He said, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four legs? The old man didn't say a word. He just reached in his wallet and handed him $5. <laughs> the moral of the story is you don't always have to know the answer. You just need to know that you don't know the answer. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I need to know when I don't know. Proverbs 25 and 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Think about that for a moment. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Proverbs 25 and 28, and the message says it this way, a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and for your word. We ask God that you would just allow us to hear from you today, God. And Father, just grab what you're speaking to us. My prayer is that I can decrease so you can increase. And we'll give you the honor for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I want to preach to you for just a little while this morning on this thought, who's in control? Say that with me, would you? Who's in control? Scripture talks about a, a man that doesn't rule his own spirit. It's like a city that has no gates or no walls. It's broken down without walls. And it talks about that and the message, I like the way you put it, it said, because it's a person without self-control, it's like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Basically, what it's saying is when there's no self-control, you're exposed to anything 
and everything. I was changing a window in my house one day. It had been knocked out. Guy was mowing across the street and he had a commercial mower. Thank God we weren't there. It picked up a bolt and threw that bolt clean across the road, across my front yard, went through my window, smacked the wall on the other side of the room, bounced off of the wall and went through another window in a French door I had. And I thought, man, if I, we'd been in that house, that could have killed us if it hit us. And so I had to replace that window. So I had to take the whole window out and buy another one. Well, in the process of doing that, I, I needed something. And so I had the window out and I ran up to the hardware store there in town to get what I needed, came back in and, you know, got the window put in. I didn't think much about it until that night. And that night, Debbie and I had laid down to go to sleep and she said, Rick, you hear that? I said, hear what? There's a mouse. And I'm thinking, oh, a mouse. And she starts, it's under the bed. And I'm thinking, oh, there's no, and she, man, she's up in the bed now, you know, looking through the crack and and uh, she looks down there, and I had a, a, a real furry hat that I'd brought back from Russia when I was traveling to Russia. So she sees that furry hat of mine until it smiled at her and showed its teeth. <laughs> it was a possum under our bed. Man, she jumped up and took off out of there. And that possum got in my house because my window was out. So... What, what happened to the possum is not what you want to happen to you. And I'm not going to go into detail. That possum went where all possums go. Possum heaven. I'm not sure this one was saved the way he was acting. But anyway, it, 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 it was able to get in because of a broken window. So when we leave ourselves exposed with no self-control, it allows anything to gain access to us. Everybody say, who's in control? Judges 17 and 6, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now that doesn't sound like a bad deal, does it? You know, if I get to do what's right in my eyes, but when it gets kind of confusing is when you're doing what's right in your eyes and your eyes and my eyes don't see eye to eye and so now you've got no one in control which is basically what this is in a reference to when there is no king everyone does that which is right in his own eyes we saw that on display in the summer of 2020 when governors and mayors abdicated their responsibility and chaos broke out. People were in the streets rioting. They were busting down doors. People died during that. They, they, they did, I forget how many, I think it was over a billion dollars worth of damage that was done, burning buildings down. It was chaos, complete chaos, because no one was in control. I don't want that in my life. I don't want my life to spin out of control. But if people abdicate 
the responsibility. If they're, if they're not, how many, who, like, can, can I ask you a question? Who's responsible for me? Who? What do you mean I am? Aren't you supposed to be responsible for me? Aren't you my brother's keeper? Oh, isn't it odd how we turn Scripture? See, the deal is, is that we have to recognize that I'm responsible for, I can't, I can't be responsible for how you act toward me, but I can be responsible for how I act toward you. Somebody say, who's in control? So this past week, there was a tragedy that took place. It was in the news. There was a, uh, there was a call in to the police for something that had taken place. And when the police showed up, a man started yelling at them that wasn't even involved in the call. They weren't even there for him. He was just uh, someone in the neighborhood. And he came over, man, and I mean, just started screaming and yelling at the police. And they told him, they said, sir, you need to calm down. You need, and instead of calming down, he grabbed a steel pipe and charged the officers with that steel pipe and they buried him. So my question is, who's in control now? See, when you spin out of control, or let me say, when we spin out of control, it can lead to devastating consequences. We need to have some type of control in our lives. How many of you have ever heard of Walmart? Walmart's drivers cannot exceed 65 miles an hour. Not because they're instructed not to go faster than that, like everyone, Walmart doesn't trust their drivers. <laughs> so what they did was they put a mechanism on the truck that will not allow them to go faster than 65 miles an hour. Oh, they might get over that if they're coming down a hill, but on a straightway, they can't accelerate past 65 miles an hour because of the mechanism that's on that truck. And that mechanism is called a governor. And so there is a governor that has taken control of that truck that's making sure they don't go too fast. How many of you have ever felt the need for speed? If you pulled any of us over, they felt the need for speed. <laughs> we'll not mention names. I was in Rogers, Arkansas, and when I was in Rogers, Arkansas, this young man wanted me to go for a ride with him, and so I got in the car with him, and we were going for a ride, and I looked in his back seat, and in his back seat there was a tank. And I thought, what do you, what do you, what's this tank doing in your back seat? He said, oh, that's why you're in here. I'm going to show you. And, and I'm thinking, you know, a tank in your back seat, and he, he had a switch on his dash. And all of a sudden, he hit the switch, and I found out what the tank was for. When he hit that switch, I went, oh, man, it threw me in, the, in that seat back. I couldn't raise up for a second. It was a tank of nitrous oxide. And it, man, it laid me back in that seat, and he said, oh, it is great. <laughs> yeah. 
pull over and let me out. You know, we, we don't like speed when we're not driving. Can I get a witness? It's kind of like, I, I'm, you know, I'm all about speed if I'm the one behind the wheel. But if you're behind the wheel, pull over to the curb because I don't feel like I'm in control. And when I feel like I'm not in control, it really agitates me. How many of you are wonderful backseat drivers? Thank you. Go ahead, honey. There you go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and so it's always like, I don't want to drive, but I want to tell you how to drive. <laughs> and, and so it's because of this need we have to be in control. Uh, several years ago, we had a um, Father's Day out here. And I brought in a big monster truck. Any of you remember that? We had a monster truck parked out here, and we also had a Camaro special edition. And after service was over, we had hot dogs, and everybody could look at the truck. And that, well, we had to take those back. And so I was driving the Camaro back. And normally you go out here, well, that Camaro, first of all, on the speedometer, it went, it, it, it was either 240 or 260. I can't remember what it said. And I was looking at that speedometer and I thought, there's no way this Camaro do go that fast. And when you pull up out here, that stop sign, you go right to go to Carbondale. But when I pulled up there, for some reason, that car went left. <laughs> looking for a straightaway. And I got anointed for a second. And, and, and started picking up speed. You can't write a ticket after the fact, right? And, and so, you can? Okay. So anyway, I started picking up the speed. And, and now stay with me here because it's, it's okay. So I get up to about 75 miles an hour and I haven't shifted out of third. It was six gears. I'm still in third at around 70, 75 miles an hour and I don't need to shift yet. And because I'm your pastor, I did not go to fourth. I, I slowed it down. I turned around and started back to Carbondale, and I literally made this statement out loud. I, out loud. I said, this car would do nothing but get me a ticket. Because there would be that, I'm telling you the truth, there would be that need inside of me at some point to find out can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Just, and, and we lose control. Everybody say control. So the question we have to ask is, who is in control? In Romans 6 and 16, it says, do you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. We end up, whatever we submit to, we become a slave of, and it can control us. So you may laugh about the fact, you know, of, of, you know getting in a car with somebody else and not wanting to drive, but how many of you have ever been in a car that you wanted to get out of? You know, my wife, we, we were in, uh, when we were traveling, my wife got in a car with a pastor's wife. 
in a big town, a big city, not a town, a big city. And she was multitasking. She was texting while she was driving, but she was looking down at her text. And you know, Debbie's really laid back. But that day, Debbie decided she needed to take control because they were headed for another car. She, she was down texting, and they're getting ready to hit a car. And man, I mean, right at the last second, Debbie yelled and grabbed the wheel and literally yanked it back in the lane. And, 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 and oh, did I? Oh, okay. It didn't stop the texting. <laughs> See, sometimes we push the limits too far. Everybody say too far. We feel like it's never going to happen to us, right? That we're never going to, and I, you know, I, you hear me preach from this pulpit, do not text and drive. Moving right along. The truth is, is that sometimes if we're not careful, we hear that ding and it's like, no, I, I'll, I'll get that later. I can't look at it now. Who'd be texting me? Well, I'll find out when I get to where I'm going. I, I wonder if there's an emergency. And, well, I'll just take a look at. All it takes is a moment. Ben can help me out with this, but I think texting and driving kills more people than drinking and driving now. And all it was was losing control for a moment, a bad judgment call. Proverbs 16 and 32 says, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. And that phone is beside us. It's better to be patient than powerful. You know, when you're in a car and you're driving and you're texting, you've got a guided missile in your hand. And it's so easy for just a moment, and I, you know, and I'm, believe me, I'm not, I'm not just preaching to you. It's a reminder to all of us, to me, that there, you, you have to learn how to be patient and let God bring you to where he wants you rather than trying to force your way in some place. It's better to be patient than powerful, and it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Can I ask you a question? Have any of you ever felt yourself losing control? Anyone? Wave your hand at me if you've ever felt. You know what I'm talking about, losing control. It's kind of like, you know, and we can lose control over the stupidest things, right? You know, have you, have you ever been in a uh, line in Walmart? I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Walmart, in McDonald's? Do you know what happens to me? When, have you ever gotten a hot apple pie and there's no apples. <laughs> Welcome to my world. And it's like, it's, uh, I mean, they, they, I guess it had set in that pass-through for so long that all the apples had dried out in it. And it's like, 
Really? Lose control. True story. St. Louis, two brothers at a table, and one killed the other one over the last piece of chicken. The last piece of chicken. Now, hear me. If you had walked up to them and said, would you ever kill your brother for a piece of chicken? They say, are you out of your mind? Are you nuts? But see, it doesn't happen like that. It happens when all of a sudden they sat down and all of a sudden they started both to reach for the chicken and an argument ensued and the argument got hotter and it got more heated until all of a sudden they lost control over a piece of chicken. There's not one of us in here that doesn't know what it's like to feel that feeling of losing control. The question is, is can I trust myself with it? How many of you would trust to ride into Carbondale with me? Ra wave your hand if you would trust me to get you to Carbondale. Hold your hand up if you'd trust me to get you to Carbondale. Now, I know better than that. Some of you have driven all the way across the state with me. You're telling me that that's the only people in here that would trust me to get you to Carbondale? <laughs> Let's try it one more time. If you trust me to get you to Carbondale, hold your hand up. In, in my vehicle, in my vehicle, trust you to get me. Okay, thank you. Now, how many of you trust me to get you to Florida in a 747? Thanks a lot for your vote of confidence. Well, I wouldn't raise my hand either. I wouldn't trust me. Why? Because I can't control that. I don't know how to control that. And so, Remember, there's nothing wrong with not knowing the answer as long as you know you don't know the answer. Because if you know you don't know the answer, it's only going to cost you $5. But if you don't know that you don't know the answer, that could get expensive. Everybody say, who's in control? So in Galatians 5 and 25, it says, since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let's make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work, it, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, let the Spirit have control of you. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, look, man, I don't trust myself. He was a religious guy, but he was putting people to death and having them arrested. And he thought he was doing the service of God. So Paul understands that I can't trust me. I have to put my trust in someone that's bigger than I am. I need to trust someone that can control my action, that can control my way, that can lead me and direct me and trust that he's going to get me where he wants me. How many of you have ever been driving and got lost? How many of you have ever dri driven and got lost and refused to pull over and ask for directions? Thank you. Just keep driving. I'll find my way sooner or later. You got to know that you don't know. And when we don't know, we need to ask someone to help us. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, just ask. Just ask. He said, we have not because what? Because we ask not. Joseph felt like his whole life had lost control. He's got brothers 
that have sold him into slavery. I want you to think about that, what that would do to you mentally to have your own brothers sell you as a slave. But that was a huge step up from what they were going to do to him. They were going to murder him. They were going to kill him. And all of a sudden now he's been sold as a slave. He's got to be thinking, what's going on, God? How could you let this happen to me? You ever been there? How could you ever let this happen to me? Everybody say, governor. Remember the Walmart truck? See, when we get a governor in our life, we let the governor control us. Joseph has got to trust that God knows what he's doing. As long as Joseph is allowing God to govern his life. I was in a place where I was getting ready to go to Africa. I'd, I'd committed to go, and all of a sudden I started feeling a check in my spirit don't go on this trip. And I kept thinking, I've already told these people I'm going to go. And, and I thought, I can't, I can't not do this. And man, it got so intense. And I finally called them up and I said, I can't make this trip with you. I said, I'm going to go at some point in time. I said, but I can't make this trip. They said they understood, and I, and I was puzzled. God, why did I feel this way? And then they made the trip, and I got word that there was a bad wreck, and one, two of those ladies were our friends on that trip. One of them was killed in that car accident. The other one wound up in a hospital for like three months, laid up in Africa, trying to get back to the U.S., and it dawned on me that if I had gone, I would have been in that vehicle, and they would have put me in the seat that the woman was in that died in that wreck. I'm telling you, there's a reason you want a governor in your life. There's a reason that you need to ask God to take control and direct you and leads you and when you ask him to do that you better not ignore him I said you better not ignore it my dad asked me to do things and if I ignored him he let me know about it my, my dad told me he said do not leave the house at night it's not a problem I wasn't gonna leave the house at night but then one night there was a big fire up just up the street fire trucks going by and I knew dad would realize this is a special occasion it's a special event and so I left the house and I went up to see the fire man it was a beaut I mean I, I wasn't excited you know because the people's house burned but it was a great fire and I'm watching that and I finally decide I guess I better need to go back home and I go back home and guess who woke up my dad, we didn't even have a conversation. We just called 911 because we needed a fire department to put the fire out. He set on my britches. He lit me up. He let me have it because I was out of control. And I didn't even realize I was out of control. I was out of control because I was flying in the face of what he'd asked me not to do and I didn't even know I was out of control any of you ever been out of control and didn't know it driving down the road and you're hydroplaning and you don't even know it until you try and turn your wheel and you realize you've got no control at all 
Joseph finds himself sold out, but he keeps trusting God. And even though he's sold as a slave to a guy named Potiphar, God shows up. How many of you believe in that scripture that said that he works everything together for good to who? To them that love him and are called according to his purpose. What's he saying? He's saying, if you'll stay in tune with me, and if you'll let me govern your life, even when things happen to you that people meant for bad, I'll work it for good. I'll turn it around for you. So he winds up at Potiphar's house as a slave, and he ends up being made the ruler over Potiphar's house. The Scripture said that the only thing Potiphar ever worried about was what he was going to eat at night. He gave Joseph complete control of everything. And then his wife got to looking at Joseph, and Joseph couldn't help that he was good-looking. Turn at your neighbor and say, I can't help it. Go ahead, just say it. I can't help it. Don't blame me. And then she starts putting the sweet talk on him. Anybody ever been there? I mean, all the time. <laughs> and starts putting, you know, and, and finally he said, you know, she catches him when there's nobody else in the house, grabs hold of him and says, come with me. And he said, no, I'm not doing it. And he takes off and she literally has got such a grip on him that he leaves his garment in her hand to get away from her. And then she tells a lie about him and he winds up thrown in prison thinking, God, what did I do to deserve this? Have you ever been there? When all of a sudden it seems like your life gets completely out of control and you're thinking, and even when I did what was right, we don't do what's right for the sake of it being right. We do it to honor God. So when Joseph is confronted with her and she's saying, come lay with me, and he said, I can't do this great evil. He said, there's nobody in this house that's greater than I am. He said, your husband's withheld nothing from me except you. He said, I can't do this great evil and sin against. Now watch what he says. He does not say sin against your husband. He doesn't say sin against you. And he doesn't say it would be a sin against my integrity. What he says is, I can't do this great evil and sin against God. Joseph's mind is filled with what would be pleasing to God. What does God want me to do? And if we can walk that way, if we can learn how to hear what God is saying and allow his spirit to govern our life, then, my friend, we're going to find out that God is big bigger than our circumstance. He's more powerful than our situation. And even when we feel like we're broken, he's able to put us back together again. He winds up in that prison and stays in that prison for years, trying to figure out where are my dreams at? How many of you have ever felt like your dreams were shattered? And that everything you wanted God to do, he hasn't done. It doesn't look like he's going to do it. And you're ready just to say, well, I don't even know why I bother. Just keep doing it because you love him. Keep holding on because you love him. Let him govern your life because you're going to discover that he's bigger than what it is that's holding you. He's bigger than your disappointment. He's bigger than your rejection. He's bigger than the failure. He's bigger than anything that's trying to hold you back. 
when you allow him to be the governor, you may wind up being a governor yourself. Ask Joseph. That's what happened to him. Genesis 42 and 6 said that he became the governor of all of Egypt. Why? Because he refused to allow himself to control his life. But he, sur he surrendered that control to God. Everybody say, I'm giving it to God. You look at Isaiah 41 and 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. What's he saying? He said, I'll take care of you if you'll just let me. 1 Corinthians 9 and 26 says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Have you ever sat down and formulated a plan for your life? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like these are my projections. This is kind of like where I want to go, where I want to be. And then all of a sudden, as life unfolds, <laughs> your plan seems like it went off in left field someplace. Can anybody relate to that? When we quit, when I quit my job and went on the field, I had a plan, and I told God about my plan. I'm ready to quit, God. I'm ready to go on the evangelistic field. I need you to get a year's worth of revivals lined up for me. Simple request. I had one revival schedule when I quit my job. I had more than that scheduled when I had a job. And I'm thinking, come on, God, give. What's going on? How come you're not doing your part? Mm. And then I heard him. You're either going to trust me by faith or you're not going to be able to trust me at all. See, if we're trusting God because we see it all laid out, that's not really trust, and that's not really faith. But faith is believing when you can't see it. I would have been so far removed from what God wanted me to do. If you would have told me in May of 91 that I was going to be in Russia in November of that year, I would have told you you had one too many flapjacks. That, you, 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 that you're, you're wrong. That's not what's going to happen. But then all of a sudden, as life began to unfold, and then I saw it start to, this is what I'm saying. We just have to let God be the governor in our life, or we're going to miss out on more than we could ever imagine. You've got to let God take control and be in control, no matter how out of control you feel. Anybody in here ever felt out of control before? So this is what I want to ask you today. How many of you need a governor? 
Would you stand with me if you need a governor? We're not pleased with every governor, are we? We're all standing up declaring, I need a governor, but I wasn't happy with the governor of Illinois in 2020 when he said that churches aren't essential and liquor stores were. I wasn't happy with that governor. But that's not the governor that rules my life. And can I tell you, just so that we learn how to show a little bit of mercy, the governor that rules my life hasn't always been happy with me. Well, then what's the point, Pastor? The point is called surrender. Surrender. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse? You don't have to wave your hand on that. But I, I, I discovered something. I discovered that if Debbie and I are at odds with each other, that that just keeps building tension and building up until one of us realizes I'm out of control. She doesn't like to admit when she's out of control. <laughs> but the truth is, neither do I. Boy, there's so much truth to that scripture that said a soft anger. I mean a soft anger. A soft answer turneth away wrath. How you like that? Even when I'm trying to preach, I'm still trying to justify. <laughs> With all my heart, all I've ever wanted was for God to have his way in my life. From his 18 years old until present day, that was my prayer. I don't care what it is, God. I just want you to have your way. Because there's something about laying your head on a pillow at night, knowing he's in control. Amen. Knowing he's in control. Oh, I've had some wrestling matches with God. Never won any of them. <laughs> but I've had some wrestling matches where, and sometimes God, you know, it's kind of like when you're wrestling your kids on the floor, sometimes you'll let them climb up on top of you and they think they've got control until all of a sudden you stand up. <laughs> and they were, now they're just holding on. And it's like sometimes God will just let us climb all over him. Any of you ever done that before? <laughs> With all our rationalizing and all of our plans and, every, and and then at the end of the day, we realize, God, I need you. And it's just us holding on, holding on. Because without him, I'm out of control. So this is what I want to do today. If you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor, I really want to surrender control to God. I want you to come up here. And as you're coming, I want you to hear me. 
when you allow the Holy Spirit to become the governor of your life, your life enters a whole new dimension. You'll end up doing things and God using you in ways that you never thought was possible. That's why the scripture said that unto him that's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. I would have, I couldn't fathom it. I couldn't imagine it. All the things that God has done. All the things that God wants to do. And sometimes we feel like, how can you do it from here? I mean, how can, that was my, here I am at this factory. How, How am I ever going to be able to do it from here? And I found out that if I'd quit spend less time trying to figure it out and more time trusting him, then I didn't have to make it happen. It just happened. Somebody say, just let it happen. How many of you are ready to let it happen? Are you ready to just let it happen? You just stretch it. Would you just raise your hands right here? This young lady here. Yeah, just hold your hand up. I don't know who you are, but I, I just want to share something with you. When I looked at you, I saw a desire in you, and I saw family. Now I, and, and when I... Have you ever felt scattered? And like you needed it to all come together. But the more you tried, it seemed like the more scattered things become. I just believe today that God is bringing some things together for you. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven and love with me right now? Father, I thank you for it. I praise you for what you're doing in her and for her. And God, as she stood today in the declaration of she wants you to be the governor, I pray now, God, that you just order each step in Jesus' name. Would you raise your hands to heaven with me? Is yours. Take it all, take it all, my life in your hands. I want you to. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all, take it all, my life in your hands. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all.
let me let me share this with you is you're loving him sometimes in order to give him control you have to take control back from someplace you re, you relinquished it you understand what i'm saying sometimes we allow others to control our life and we can't give God control until we take it back from where we left it. We have to take it back. Otherwise, we've got shadows controlling our life. We've got voices controlling our life and, and, and they continue to influence us and to keep us from being all that God asks us to be. Let me give you a classic example because God all of a sudden speaks something into your spirit and the first thing that happens is you hear a voice saying, you can't do that, here's why. Remember who you are? Remember where you came, remember what you did? Now either the scripture's truth or it's not. Either old things are passed away and all things become new or they don't. And I'm here to testify to the fact that they do. Old things pass away, everything becomes new. The only reason I'm standing here is because everything became new. But before I could release it to God, I had to get it back from where I'd left it. I'm the world's worst at leaving glasses laid down. I, I, I wear sunglasses when I drive, they're prescription. I haven't been wearing them lately because I don't remember where I left them. I don't remember where I relinquished them at. If I could remember, I'd go pick them up. I've checked every suit pocket. I've looked in every pair of pants, every coat jacket. And I'm telling you, this is God today because I just confessed that all in front of my wife. And I thought, God, I know they've got to be someplace. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Your purpose is somewhere. But you're never going to be able to find it until you take back where you left it at the beginning. That's right. Somebody told you that you weren't enough. Somebody told you that you don't count. Can I let you in on a secret? They lied to you. Yep. You do count. You do matter. Yep. You are enough. You, you, you carry the breath of God in you. You are a reflection of who he is. And so my prayer for you today is this, is that you quit seeing yourself the way you think everybody else sees you and start looking at yourself the way God sees you. Because when God sees you, he, when God saw us, he was so happy, he just rested. He just said, I'm done. It don't get any better than this. I'm, I'm just laying it all down. He rested. And he gave us dominion. Are you ready? Just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now all across this building. This is what I want you to say. I take it back from where I left it. It's not yours. Control over my life does not belong to you. It belongs to God. 
So right now, in Jesus' name, I'm taking that back and I'm handing it to God. Say it with me, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. with me if you would I want you so every once in a while you need to get mad okay how many of you know how to get mad okay all right it's I'm talking about the right kind of mad okay so this is what I want you to do I want you to visualize where you left it I want you to visualize where you left control it may not be a person you left it with it may be a situation you left it with and wherever, wherever that was at, I want you right now to get like Popeye 
and say, I stood all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And I want you to go for the spinach. Are you ready? The Bible said, if God be for me, who my friend can be against me? And when I get, when I count to three, this is what I want you to say. I am not what you made me feel like. I am a child of God. I am redeemed by the Lamb. And I am given my or giving my life and control over it to him right now. Now that's a lot to remember, but say it in your own way, all right? Are you ready? On three, just say this. On three, just shout out, you can't have me. Are you ready? One, two, three. That, that was okay, but you could do better. Are you ready? Shout like somebody else has got the remote and they're controlling it and you want control. Are you ready? On three, one more time. You can't have me. You ready? One, two, three. You, you can't, can't have, have me. me. Now, the last one on four is I belong to God. You ready? One, two, I want you to think about it. Three, four, I belong to God. Amen. walk out of here today knowing that God's the governor of your life and when the devil tried to take me out God sent the governor pardon me <laughs> the governor sent a reprieve and now I've got a brand new life come on let's give him a hand clap of praise in here today God bless you we love you my heart is yours.